we get to uh, think about the passage that we're going to look at, I've got a bit of a quiz for us this morning. And it's, you know, because why not? Um, I thought it would be really good to do a, play a greater than quiz. So here's your first question. Which is greater in mass, the Earth or Mars? Have a think, maybe chat amongst yourselves. Which is greater in mass, Earth or Mars? Have a think. Okay, if you think it's Earth, put your hand up. If you think it's Mars, put your hand up. Interesting. Let's have a look and see what the answer is. Earth. Earth is nearly 10 times the mass of Mars. Maybe some of us were thinking about Mars bars. I don't know. Okay, the next one. Which is greater in area? Africa or South America? Have a think briefly. Have a think. Okay. Um, hands up if you think it's Africa. Lots of hands. Hands up if you think it's South America. A few hands. Let's have a look at the answer. The answer is Africa. Africa is greater in both area and in population, actually. Okay, the next one may be slightly easier for some of us. Uh, which is greater in length? <laughs> the Old Testament or the New Testament? Hands up if you think it's the New Testament. Oh, I thought I'd throw you then. <laughs> Hands up if you think it's the Old Testament. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Let's see the answer. According to Google, <laughs> the word count in the Old Testament is 502,493, and in the New Testament, 181,253. I haven't counted them, and I don't know which language that's in. Um, so obviously, it will slightly vary, but, but it's pretty obvious which is greater in length. Okay, next one. Okay, which is greater in kilograms, the world's largest human or the world's largest pumpkin? <laughs> Just because why not? Have a think, have a think. Who cares? I know, yeah. Um, have a think. Which is greater in kilograms? Hands up if you think it's the world's largest human. Hands up if you think it's the world's largest pumpkin. Let's have a look at the answer. There we go. The world's largest pumpkin, 1,190 kilograms. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the, um, the risotto you'd get <laughs> with, with the pumpkin? Okay, and the next one, let's have a look. Which is greater in the number of bedrooms, the White House or Buckingham Palace? Interesting one. Which has more bedrooms in it? Okay. Hands up if you think it's Buckingham Palace. Hands up if you think it's the White House. Okay, let's look at the answer. It's Buckingham Palace. 241 bedrooms. Can you imagine how many duvets they need for that? Just for a start. 241 bedrooms. I don't know quite how many there are in, um, in the White House, but apparently there's only a handful of bedrooms in the White House. Okay, next one. Which is greater in size, the violin or the viola? Okay, this is for those of us particularly who maybe know a little bit about string instruments. Hands up if you think it's the violin. Okay, hands up if you think it's the viola. 
Oh, look at this. Most of them seem to have got the answer. Right, let's have a look. It is. I could, I could joke here, but that is a viola. It is the viola that is bigger. And if you wonder what a viola sounds like, Susie is playing the viola this morning. So there you go. The viola is just a little bit um, bigger. I do have various jokes about difference between violins and viola. You know, which is um, bigger than a violin or a viola? Well, it's the viola because you can get more beer in a viola. That's the joke I know. Don't quite know what that says about me. But anyway, next one. Okay, which is greater in the number of people, the number of people in China, or the number of people who are Christians in the world? Ooh, have a little chat amongst yourselves. What do you think to that one? Well, let's have a look then, shall we? Who says it's the... Oh, we've just got the... Oh, no. Mm. Hands up if you think it's the number of people in China who didn't see the screen then. Okay, hands up if it's the number of people who are Christians in the world. Let's have a look at the answer. It is the number of Christians in the world. 1.412 billion people in China, 2.2 billion people who follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That is good news this morning. And I think we've got one more. Who is greater, it should say, rather than which is greater? Jesus, Jonah, or Solomon? What do you think? I don't think I need to make you do this. Let's show the answer. Of course, it's Jesus. Of course, it's Jesus. And that's what we're going to think about this morning, um, that Jesus is the greatest. God's kingdom is the greatest. So let me read you the um, reading from this morning, which is Luke chapter 11, verses 29 to 32. Here we go. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah is the sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can see why when I saw that reading and realized that this morning was an all-age service, that I was thinking, okay. <laughs> So how do we approach this reading? Maybe um, you uh, heard those words or saw those words and thought, oh, let's see where Eleanor takes this then. And maybe you heard those words and thought, I've no idea what they're saying. What do they mean? Well, to be honest, that's a little bit how I felt when I read them this morning. But what we find in this uh, reading is that the heart of this passage is Jesus responding to a growing crowd. And this growing crowd are wanting to see a sign. And we know that because if we look further back um, earlier on in Luke uh, 11, we can see that um, the people around have seen um, 
uh, uh, Jesus driving out a demon, and this is one of the verses that we read. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. So in one of the previous passages, we can see that they are wanting a particular sign from heaven. And so in this passage, Jesus is answering that very thing. But think about it. Think about what has already happened. Jesus has already performed miracles. He's fed 5,000 pe- uh, people. I've already spoken on that. He has um, told stories like Zacchaeus, not Zacchaeus, uh, like um, the Good Samaritan. I've already uh, spoken on that. He's raised the dead. He's um, healed people. Yet they're still wanting signs. They're still wanting a sign from heaven. So we could say, what more do they want to find out about Jesus? But he refuses to give them the sign that they want because he knows that there is one sign that will show that Jesus is the greatest ever, that God's kingdom is the greatest ever. And that sign, as Jesus says in this passage, is the sign of Jonah. And so I thought it would be helpful for us, we've sung it, but I thought it would be helpful for us to just recap with ourselves the story of what happened with Jonah. And um, I've got this on a video for you this morning. Stories of the Bible. Jonah. This is Jonah. Uh-huh. Jonah was a prophet. That means it was his job to tell people what God told him to say. Yep. One day, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh because the people of Nineveh were doing bad things. But instead, Jonah ran away. And went to the port to board a ship, going the other way. He was hoping to get away from God. He sailed for a place called Tarshish. While he was at sea, God sent a great and powerful wind over the sea that caused a storm that seemed like it would break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the sailors tried everything they could think of to save the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah was sound asleep. So the captain went down and said, how can you sleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will help us. Then the crew figured out that Jonah was the reason for the storm. And they asked him, who are you? Why is this happening to us? Jonah told them who he was and that he worshiped the one true God who made the sea. Then he told the sailors to throw him in the sea so the storm would stop. No, why? The sailors still tried to escape the storm but it was no use. Uh... So they asked God for forgiveness and threw Jonah into the sea. The storm stopped at once. The sailors were amazed at God's power and they vowed to serve him. Now God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. Uh, And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and nights. Jonah prayed to God from inside the fish, and God ordered the fish to spit Jonah out. God told Jonah again to go to the city of Nineveh to tell them what God had said about them. 
This time, Jonah obeyed God and went to Nineveh to deliver God's message. The people of Nineveh stopped doing bad things and turned to God. They were saved because they listened to the message that God had given Jonah. So there we go. That is the story of Jonah. And of course, when Jesus was speaking uh, to the crowds here, they would know that story. They would have heard that story. So what we hear there and what we see there is that Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days. I have to say, I dread to think how smelly it was. Anyway, um, and it's, it's sort of a little bit like Jonah was sort of dead during that time. Maybe there was a sense of, to begin with, him being sort of spiritually dead as well. But then three days later, the fish spits him out and he goes on to do what God has asked him to do, to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And we're told at the very end of our reading this morning, actually, that what uh, those uh, people did was this. They repented at the preaching of Jonah. But actually, if we look back into Jonah and we read what he says, I realize he only ever says eight words. He actually only says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That is all he says I don't think he probably said it with that smile on his face at that point, but that was the best picture I could find. But of course, it had the desired effect. And even though the people heard just those few words and maybe heard about what happened to Jonah or saw it, they turned to God. They realized their wrong ways and they came to God in repentance. And so Jesus was using this sign to, sign to remind the crowds and those of us who will go on to read this story that um, he too would die, that he would rise again three days later. And that would be the greatest sign, the sign of the defeat of death, the sign of the defeat of sin, the sign of the coming of the kingdom of God. Yet even though the crowds had seen all that Jesus had done so far, they hadn't turned to him as the Ninevites did when Jonah spoke. And this sign would be the greatest sign and the one which should help them realize just who Jesus was. Matthew uh, 12 has another telling of this. Um, in verse 40, it says this, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That is the sign of Jonah. It is a sign of resurrection of the King of Kings. But we also, in this story, we also hear about somebody else. We hear about someone called the Queen of the South, which I don't know about you, but I always think of a Scottish football team when I hear that. Yeah, it is. It is a, anyway, um, but of course, we know, don't we, that the Queen of the South is also, are you ready for this, the Queen of Sheba. I thought it was really appropriate, in case you're wondering why there's suddenly some classical music playing in the background. That is, of course, the arrival of the Queen of Sheba. I nearly brought my own violin, actually, but I thought that was too many things to handle in one day. So let me just remind you of what happens in 1 Kings 10, verses 1 to 13. The Queen of Sheba, who is a Gentile woman, so she's not a Jewish woman, she's heard all about Solomon's wisdom. 
And so she comes to Solomon to test him with difficult questions. A bit like those um, we heard in verse 16 of Luke 11, they came to test Jesus. And so in some ways, what she came to do was like a really intense one-to-one alpha course with Solomon. And Solomon answered all her questions. And what we find in uh, 1 Kings 10 is that she's so overwhelmed by what she sees and what she hears that her response is to praise God. So unlike some of those that Jesus was talking to, she was willing to be convinced and she was willing to believe and to praise God. She was someone from a different land, from the ends of the earth, our reading says. She was someone who traveled to listen to Solomon. Yet Jesus said in this reading that someone even greater, or something even greater than Solomon is here. Wisdom greater than Solomon, kingship greater than Solomon. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God isn't just on par with a king like Solomon or a prophet like Jonah, but what is coming is even greater than both of these. That he is greater than both of these. And through Jesus, we will find wisdom. We will find a king greater than any other king ever. We will find a way to relate and hear from God, not just through a prophet, but through relationship with him. And all we need to do is be like the Ninevites or be like the Queen of Sheba. Trust and believe. And Jesus has given us the most incredible sign, an incredible sign that he is the greatest, that he is the son of God who came to show his love for the world by dying and rising again, that his kingdom is better than any other kingdom. And so all we're asked to do is to respond like the people of Nineveh, like the Queen of Sheba, to realize who is the greatest, that it's Jesus, that what is the greatest kingdom is the kingdom of God, greater than anything in this world. And so a question for us as we finish, do we live as if that is the case? Do we live as if Jesus, as if the kingdom of God is the greatest thing in the world? Maybe that's a question for us to think about over ice cream or over lunch today. Because the fact is, if Jesus and his kingdom is the greatest, that means we can trust him. It means that we can give everything to him. It means that when we face difficult challenges, he can help us. He can walk with us. And he can remind us that he has defeated sin and death. And that in his kingdom we can know that God is the greatest. Isn't that good news this morning? Brilliant. So when you have ice creams later, remind one another that God's kingdom is the greatest. Let's pray, and can I invite the band to come back as we get ready to sing our next song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder that Jesus and his kingdom is the greatest. We thank you for that sign of Jonah and for what we see in that queen as she came to visit Solomon. Help us to trust ourselves and our lives in you and to live in the knowledge that you are the greatest. Amen.
We're going to uh, sing once more now, and we're going to sing another song that I know is actions. Now, I can never remember all of these actions, so I might need some help at the front for this one. It's the song King of Me, which of course has got the line about Jonah in it. So can I invite you to stand as we sing, and I'll have some help with some actions, I hope. 